Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Belisai. I'm here in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. Do you know why this week is significant to us? Because it's the 4th of July. I mean, yeah, but I don't really care about that. But something that's, like, significant for us. No, gross. No. Matt. It's our one-year anniversary of Unhappy Hour. Did you get me anything? This podcast. Not anymore, because you're fired. Speaking of fired, works. (laughs) Besides our one-year anniversary, there's another holiday this week. That's right, Independence Day, a.k.a. the 4th of July. And we're celebrating the only way we know how. By using our First Amendment rights to shit all over this nation. From (laughs) sea to fucking sea. So we're going to start off with worst things first, right? Rattle off some of the wildest news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into the horror that is July 4th. Horror that is July 4th. No. And finally, Lauren Duca, writer, Teen Vogue columnist, Tucker Carlson's arch nemesis, American hero on the show. She and I are exploring and exposing the worst things about Americans by complaining about trolls, the worst among us. It's going to be a fun interview and game, so stick around. Now, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's light this firework off and get into the show. All right, worst things first, the segment where I fill you all in on the worst news of the week. First, a teenager in Florida, only in Florida, was arrested and charged with dumping a live alligator in a convenience store earlier this month. Like, just leave the alligators alone. A 17-year-old dude said he grabbed the alligator from the wild and then dropped it off inside a Wawa (laughs) in Lakewood Ranch, which is ridiculous because everybody knows alligators shop at Costco. You (laughs) son of a bitch. According to the Manatee County Sheriff's Office. That's where my family lives. Which sounds like the name of a sheriff's office in a cartoon about Florida. They went to Manatee High School. Why is it called Manatee County? Because that's where all the manatees are. And uh, And they're dying. Oh my God, you're right. Endangered. They were taken off the endangered list, actually. Oh, we can kill them now? What? With our boats? Stop. Um, anyway, according to the Manatee County Sheriff's Office, the gator was dropped off at 2.30 in the morning... And it was only two feet long, so it was a mini gator. But still, 
He was issued a citation charging him with illegally possessing or harvesting an American alligator, (laughs) which is a law that only exists because of Florida. Thanks a lot. We have to waste space in the fucking U.S. legal code because you decided to get drunk at 2.30 in the morning and throw a fucking two-foot alligator through a fucking Wawa front window. I don't know if he threw it or if he, like, walked it in. Either way. Next! A Kansas man was charged with lewd and lascivious lascivious behavior for repeated attempts to have sex with the tailpipe of a parked automobile. He tried to fuck the tailpipe of a car. Inside it or inside him? Good question. He tried to put his penis... Inside the tailpipe. Got it. Ryan, a 23-year-old, was named in a court complaint accusing him of exposing himself with the intent of arousing or gratifying sexual desires. That is <laughs> that is the full law. <sighs> what does that mean? So if you expose yourself not with the intent of arousing or gratifying sexual desires, what is that? look like. Is that just public streaking? Anyway, Ryan, whose blood alcohol content was later measured at more than four times the legal limit. (laughs) He's having a great night. (laughs) Continued trying to have sex with the tailpipe in the presence of police officers. Oh, no. Cops subsequently tased him. (laughs) How horny are you for this vehicle that (laughs) cops have to literally tase you to stop (laughs) fucking it? I just hope he finds what he's looking for, you know? Next, a macaw broke out of a zoo in Omaha, Nebraska, after apparently being spooked by the Goodyear blimp. (laughs) I have a lot of conflicted opinions about macaws because, on the one hand, fuck macaws. They've given me a lot of trouble in my life. On the other hand, the Goodyear blimp is a monster, and it should be treated as such. You're going to look that macaw in his dumbass beak and pretend like the Hindenburg didn't explode? No. Because that bird knows 36 people died because of a giant air balloon and he's not taking any fucking chances. He sees the Goodyear blimp. He's out of there. Also, what's the purpose of a blimp? (laughs) Anyway, the macaw named Cayenne escaped during the zoo's birds of flight show when it was startled by the blimp drifting past and it flew out of the amphitheater and past the zoo's boundaries and then the next day a nearby resident found it and alerted the zoo staff who retrieved it and then it says she was returned to the zoo and quickly joined her sister in eating treats so good for her but also fuck her Next, a handgun that fell into the couch cushions at an Ikea in Indiana was found by a six-year-old child who fired it in the middle of the couch section. Jesus. Yeah, because some dumbass, no one was hurt, so I am allowed to make fun of everybody in this situation. (laughs) I mean, it's not the kid's fault, I guess, but some guy, apparently, earlier in the day, sat down on a couch and... In, in the Ikea showroom, and his loaded firearm slipped into the cushions. And then later, yeah, like a couple hours later, this little boy found it and then fucking fired it off in the middle of an Ikea. Like, we've all wanted to fire a gun at Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us have the good sense not to. And that's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next up, grab your wieners because we're about to grill the shit out of 4th of July. Let's deep dive, motherfucks. Hot dog. Firework. French onion dip. Sweaty watermelon. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. dive. All right, it's 4th of July week, and usually that means celebrating whatever the fuck we celebrate on 4th of July, even though Independence Day was actually July 2nd. Look it up on Wikipedia. Thomas Jefferson did something on July 2nd, and now we have the fucking day off, and the banks are closed, and I can't deposit all my checks. But listen, a lot of shit 
has happened in America this week. So we are going to take this as an opportunity to talk about the worst things about the 4th of July because it's a terrible holiday to begin with. Let's be real. So let's do it. Let's get into it. The worst things about 4th of July. First, barbecues are the fucking worst. Nothing should be eaten outside, especially not in the middle of summer when the sun is going to beat down directly on your swampy ass fruit salad. You know who's getting barbecued? Us. We're the ones getting grilled by the sun. Yeah, no, I don't want to come over and eat soggy watermelon while your sweaty children drip dollops of sunblock into the fucking sour cream and onion dip. Also, I love how everyone comes to a barbecue acting like they personally invented the concept of dip. Every time, whoever brings the dip, they're like, I brought this French onion dip that is to die for. I got it for $7.59 after three coupons down at the Kroger, and I had to speak to the manager because they didn't have any on the shelf, and I said, I will not leave this Kroger without that French onion dip. Where are you going to barbecues? It's dip! <laughs> We've all had dip! At least three different people are going to sneeze into this container at some point this afternoon. So why don't you shut the fuck up and pass the chips? Because I don't give a shit where your fucking dip came from. Is that relatable? (laughs) (laughs) I just feel like every time I'm at any type of like 4th of July event and there are there's someone brings dip, they have to like tell the dip's life story. And I think that the people who are bringing the dip are specifically told to bring the dip because they are not trusted with anything else. So they take like a lot of responsibility for it. Congratulations, Diane. You're on dip duty because you're a fucking dip shit. Boom! Cross-stitch that on a pillow, bitch! (laughs) Also, if you have a bowl of plain potato chips at a barbecue in 2018, you might as well pull down your pants and take a wet shit on the Constitution. George Washington didn't found a nation that would one day be run by a reality television host so that you could put out plain potato chips at your barbecue and expect me to be fucking satisfied. I will never be satisfied. Also, 4th of July sucks because fireworks are horrible and not just because they make every dog in my neighborhood think that Kim Jong-un is attacking. (laughs) Oh, God. They know. They know. Also, sparklers are lame as shit. Uh, also terrifying. So scary. Why do you give children sparklers? It we makes no sense to let me. Let children run around with them. Here, take this tiny metal stick jizzing out electric fire and run for your life around the yard. Also, what are those things that I want to call them poppers, but I'm very much aware that that is something else. The things where you like throw it on the ground and it snaps. I think Snap pops? Snap pops? Snappers? Pop rocks? Just give the kids poppers instead of whatever the fuck those are called. Don't give children poppers. (laughs) I don't entirely know what poppers are. I know you like... Are you serious? It's like a... a, You like snort snort, a gas. Yeah, and then... And it loosens your butthole. Yeah. Fireworks are genuinely terrifying. And nobody who's been fucking downing warm beer all day should be trusted with literally like dynamite. Also, let's be real. If you're white, your aunt's amazing potato salad is garbage. Garbage. That's the goddamn truth. It's just the mayonnaise-covered grime at the bottom of a garbage can. Also, stop fucking putting raisins in shit. There's not one time in my life where I thought, you know what this could use? More raisins. Fuck raisins. Fuck the little handmaid on the raisin box. Fuck all their wrinkles and fuck your aunt for putting it in potato salad. Also, 4th of July barbecues always have terrible desserts. No dessert that you try to make red, white, and blue is worthy of eating. None. Don't put strawberries and blueberries on a fucking Rice Krispie treat and say it's fucking patriotic. Fuck your Rice Krispie treats. I hate when someone shows up because they saw something on Pinterest. It's definitely Pinterest and and Martha Stewart. This is a direct attack on my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Just make a goddamn cake 
and we'll be fine. And don't even get me started on snow cones, okay? Snow cones are the biggest scam to come out of the frozen treat world until frozen yogurt usurped them in the 1980s. A snow cone is like a straight girl at a gay bar. You can put on all the colors you want, sweetie, but you're still a bland, cold bitch. (laughs) Uh. Next! Barbecues are always just like a bunch of dads with stale beer breath just standing around a grill commenting on the best way to put a frozen hamburger on fire. Every burger or hot dog cooked at a 4th of July party is disgusting. And I have to pretend like I fucking like it. And don't even try to get fancy and break open an avocado on the 4th of July. People think they're so slick and cosmopolitan when they bust open an avocado and smear it on a burger. It's 97 degrees and we're sitting outside. That avocado is turning brown faster than Rachel Dolezal at an NAACP chapter meeting. You are on fire. Also, invest in better hot dog buns, asshole. I shouldn't have to grip my hot dog like the saddle of a bucking horse because you got cheap hot dog buns that bust open beneath the weight of my thick wiener. A hot dog should open like Miss Pac-Man's mouth because it's not a hamburger. It's not a hamburger. If I wanted a hamburger, I could probably go out and get one because I am what? Sickening. So fuck off with your cheap-ass motherfucking hot dog buns that break apart into two pieces so I have to smash it together like I'm carrying a hard-boiled egg between my breasts. And finally, I don't believe in taking drinks from a cooler that's been sitting on grass all day. Great! Now my wine cooler is wet and covered in ants. And I'm sick of it. So fuck your 4th of July party. Don't invite me to your shit because I won't show up. And if I do, I'll be the drunk one who falls into the grill. And then you have to call the police because your friend is on fire because he fell into the grill and then set off the fireworks before they were supposed to go off. And then you chased away all the little kids with all their little sparklers and you put cheese on them because that's what everyone's like. You want cheese or no cheese? Fucking cheese! All right, this has grown out of hand. The point is, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'll be wearing black this 4th of July in mourning for my sanity. Just remember, Katy Perry was right. You are a motherfucking firework because you're lame. You finish too early and you always disappoint me. And that's it for our deep dive. Next, we'll have Lauren Duca coming to the studio for an interview and a game right now. My guest complainer today is Lauren Duca. Lauren is a freelance reporter and political columnist. You might know her from her viral teen Vogue piece, Donald Trump is Gaslighting America, or that time she's school Tucker Carlson on Fox News. News is debatable. <laughs> Fox. <laughs> today, we're going to be talking about a bunch of stuff, especially internet trolls, which Lauren has a lot of experience with. So welcome to the show, Hi. Lauren. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I want to start off just with like a mental health check. Like it's been a crazy week. (laughs) We're recording this on Thursday. So like, yeah, there was a shooting today. Anthony Kennedy retired yesterday, announced (sighs) his retirement. How is it going? (laughs) I, I just every time it feels like the worst week. The worst week is always the week that we are in. Right. Which is unbelievable believable because I thought that last week was the one. <laughs> right, right. The week where children were being kidnapped. Just, State-sponsored kidnapping. It actually does. So last week. It does feel as if it is It is increasing intensity yeah. so much, but I also don't understand which way is up anymore. <laughs> I was in therapy and <laughs> yeah. my therapist went to look at her phone for something and was like, Anthony Kennedy just announced he was retiring. I was like, oh, Your I... therapist <laughs> told you. I was like, all right, I guess we're talking about this now. <laughs> That's actually shocking, though, that yeah. your therapist did tell you that. Also that she was just checking her phone in the middle of our <laughs> session. <laughs> Push notification. But yeah, she yeah, that was a good place to learn because I was like, oh, okay, I guess we're going to talk about this now. It's a good place to be. It's so, so fun. <laughs> 
so fun and exciting. Mental health check, bad. <laughs> Good, cover that. Um, so, well, I will ask you the kind of standard unhappy hour question, uh-huh. which is, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Oh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't know how popular he is right now. (laughs) You know what? The thing is, what kills me is that I just want to be like, I'm probably vaguely a socialist. I like align with a lot of his platform. But he's out here saying we shouldn't be shaming Sanders in public. And like, you know, just just be just having this continued tour. Right. um, Of, of, you know, where he actually is saying he won the election. I I guess (laughs) it's amazing. Yeah. It feels very self-involved and harmful to 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 the movement he purports to represent. I'm just way more pumped about Ocasio Cortez. Like, yeah. let's do this new face, you right. know, of the truly of the progressive left. Like, right. I'm down with that. I know. I, <laughs> Sign I, me up for DSA. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wish we could have like basked in the glow of her victory for for oh, longer than like ten had, hours. We had ten. Don't be greedy. Now, Uh, five hours, an hour. (laughs) Like that's even longer than we had until sunrise. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we didn't. Ocasio Cortez. That's how you say her name, right? Yeah. Do you? It was like yeah. It was the, the. It was like the happiest, most amazing, incredible thing, and then possibly one of the worst. Right. Um, like, really, right? After, like, the universe was like, got you, bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For those who maybe don't know, Ocasio-Cortez is... Uh, <laughs> Is, does she, is she a democratic socialist? That's what she was on the ballot she as, or a democrat? Joe Crowley in, right. the, in New York's 14th district. She's right. 28 years old, like a year ago, less than a year ago. She was still working behind a bar. You know, she she built her campaign out of pure grassroots energy, all based on small donations, just based on doing having an aggressive ground game and a volunteer-led campaign right and, i mean based on these these issues of like medicare for all tuition-free college abolish ice like <laughs> right. which feels like common sense um on a lot of levels uh but <laughs> yeah i did see it fox news had a, a graphic that was like here's what she believes in and, and I, it was like <laughs> it was my vision board <laughs> <laughs> it was like lgbt equality it was like uh, like Resources for seniors was one of them, which is like, <laughs> it was like all of Fox News's audience. Livable wages. <laughs> How yeah. utterly dare she. Fuck that. <laughs> who wants that? <laughs> but yeah, so she is, and Joe Crawley, who she was challenging, yeah. was like the number four Democrat, has served in Congress like forever, and she beat him. And was on track to be the next speaker. I mean, he had spent, yeah. spent also hundreds of thousands of dollars in the right, past few right. weeks, which is even more amazing. I mean, yeah. that, she, that she actually just built up the energy of her communities right. like that i mean money's not enough so i guess we can transition a little bit obviously a lot of passion in the world right now <laughs> uh and by that <laughs> why are you saying it like that Matt i don't know i don't know but i i, I took a stab a, at a transition I, I and it did attacked. not work i'm trying to get at um you being attacked, basically. That is the oh, better transition. This is great. That actually worked. <laughs> my way that was my way of saying like people are real angry at a lot of people. Oh yeah. Especially um, me. And especially you. <laughs> I did love when it, when we reached out to have you come on the show, we got an auto reply email yeah, yeah. that everybody gets when they email you. I I don't think you have to read the whole thing, uh-huh. but do you want to like read the first couple sentences? Oh sure. This is a taste of what you get when you email Lauren. Oh, you you got dearest fellow humans and Russian bots. <laughs> I've long resisted the urge to set up an auto email responder, and yet here we are. Due to the impossibly high volume of messages slash ghouls asking for unpaid favors slash trolls telling me to get stabbed in the cunt, etc., I am humanly incapable of sorting through everything, and I'm not doing it anymore. Look at me setting boundaries. <laughs> Amazing. And it, it, you go on to explain, like, if you have something valuable to yeah. send me, you can reach me here. But, uh, I, but I, no I, gas chamber photoshops, please. Please. Right, right. Which you would think, you know, that would be an obvious... I'm not even Jewish, but, you know, they don't do their research. So... <laughs> I can't say I've, I've had that experience. Yeah. So, uh, well... <laughs> You are a, an amazingly resilient person <laughs> for still being here. <laughs> uh, 
At what point were you like, I need to add this to my email? Yeah. I, well, <laughs> How many gas chamber photos? Was there a number? I think that I think that I lose track of how it even affects me in yeah. a way that is frightening. And I don't even know how numb I am to it until I'll talk about it. And people will just look at me and they'll just be so upset and they'll just be so shocked. And I'm just saying something that is just like, happened because it's like a Tuesday yeah and you know I have to kind of look you know inside of my heart and be like this is not a thing that most people are subjected no it's not normal and I think what another part is it distresses people like like being on the internet in general being in you know we're not we're human beings we've been human beings for a really long time and we haven't been on the internet for that long of a time and there are stressful you know there's stressful like cover over your head feeling of of not communicating with people fully it makes us angry and like a little feral Right. And 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 then to feel that so many times over and the result of that and like the dehumanization of that because like that's what it is. Like a lot of times it's not the absurdity of the messages that upset me, but like the cumulative feeling of so many people forgetting I'm a human being. Because you certainly wouldn't say these kind of things to a human being, right? Right. Or like for mo- in most cases, I think the answer is no. And I think that there's like this very scary um enforcing of kind of white nationalism and sexism that is happening through harassment and is is not taken seriously but there is such an ugliness to the discourse and this is where we're having our conversations about politics this is our public square um is twitter and is facebook and to, to i guess to wrap it up it's like there's this this sense of like well it's just the internet and there's this time times when i think well this is positively absurd that this message I'm being sent and this is just some crazy person on the internet but I think the cumulative effect of all of it on me personally and on fucking society is really really damaging and so how can we better like look to the tech companies who are setting these policies how can we better have human conversations about how we're having human conversations when they are online and how can we kind of have radical empathy and be better at supporting the people who are being pulled down um, and, and and sending the positive vibes when we can. And I think that that is actually on a, to, to end it on for real now though, on a nice <laughs> note is that people do do that for me. And I think because I have it so a, such a harsh, intense level of sucking down the fire hose of harassment every day. There is like an equal and opposite force that is sending me cute pictures of dogs and or just saying, hey, you're great, or hey, I read your latest thing, or you know what, your hair looked good on TV. Like cute, little, sweet, here are some plus signs to make up for the minus signs. And I think that that kind of thing is amazing to see. And so how can we all just be better humans and understand that when we're being humans online, the, the same rules apply. Right. I guess, sure, to expand on the positive note, it's great that you have those positives to counteract the negatives. There are those negatives that people are like, I'm afraid to speak up because I know I'm going to get a negative response from some people, so I'm just not going to speak up. What do you say to those people to say, it's still worth it. I think that any, if you have the strength to be powering through it, it's worth it. And there is a righteousness to it because I think that the more, the more women that just keep speaking up, the more other women will see that strength and be inspired by it and be propelled to move forward. I also think that like, thinking of it very seriously as a silencing tactic. I mean, I had one of those like a la Lindy West conversations with my one of my trolls. And he said, you know, he apologized to me after I had written about harassment and kind of, I guess I, he had two daughters too. So he was like, oh, women, people, I get it. <laughs> and, um, but he actually, he was, he was very, you know, I, I was expecting to be able to like diagnose him on the phone, but he was very articulate and calm and he got caught up in the Donald Reddit page. But the way he said it, he was talking about we and, 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 then sometimes they, but this herd tribal mentality of of trying to silence me. And mm-hmm. they were like, actually, like, we, you know, because at first I got this first round of harassment after Tucker. And he's like, and then you just kept going. And I think that made us really mad. Like, it was actually the, the goal, the basic motivation is just was to shut me up in it, which was kind of just the the way I needed to reframe it as, as it's, it's instead of buying into any of it, seeing it as this. Thing for me to combat actively and kind of almost to use it as 
some an energizing reason of why I need to keep going. Right, right. The scary thing to me, this is, and this is only like tangentially related. There was this op-ed in the New York Times a couple days ago. Oh, I'm already upset. <laughs> Same. And it was written by this like historian in in air quotes who he covers like AIDS and, and okay. gay sex. And he wrote about, did you see this? I, I again. Basically, he wrote about how, like, gay people aren't using condoms because we're unaware of the AIDS crisis. Like, we forgot about it, (laughs) basically. That was kind of his thesis. I mean, I'm reducing it a lot. And he started getting criticism that was like, hey, I think you're like, I think this is super simplistic and you're not acknowledging a whole bunch of stuff. My point is he ended up, like, a bunch of people called him out and started giving him stuff. And then he, like, just retreated into, like, react mode, like, laughing out Mm. and eventually started tweeting like now I get how like the anti-fascist like how the right feel like it's like that one guy who is like I'm a Republican now because a bunch of gay people came after me for like not hating Donald Trump and so now (laughs) I decide to just like completely revert all of my views because I don't believe in the mob mentality it's this is like unrelated no I think it is related and I think that actually is uh, a helpful thing that I then yeah having to ask yourself okay like how what kind of criticism should I take and so I also think it's not a matter of being like I'm always right everything I say is right because because I am being silenced by a contingent of angry internet men, I then sometimes also make mistakes and I have people around me that love me that I can check in with. Um, right. But to, so that I feel, you know, like I don't have to read the mentions to know. Yeah. But I do think there's, you know, there's times when it's like, it's not responding to feedback is yeah. something that we all have like lost the narrative on. Right. Um, like I did, I had a, I made a mistake where I tweeted, um, I was like, happy pride to everyone because no one's a hundred percent straight. And I just meant like, I don't know anyone who tends to be, all these sort of men who think they're a hundred percent straight are just beating their chest out of totally obvious little fear of right. some latent something. That's really what I was joking about. I'm not 100% straight. We don't need to get into it. It's just, it was meant <laughs> Happy um, pride. a sign of positivity and, and it was, you know, it got a response like that it seemed as if it was all lives mattering right. pride. And I mean, at first, my first reaction was like, that's so not where I come from. That's not what my writing is about. It's not what my, I use my platform for. And I, d- I had the instinct to kind of buckle in, like, this is deliberate, you know, bloodthirsty nonsense. But then I thought about it and I, you know, thought, well, what if somebody is earnestly reading it that way? That is not what I meant. So why don't I just say, hey, I saw that people are perceiving this in this way that wasn't my intention and I'm sorry and like that costs me nothing and that's much nicer because I I that wasn't what I was trying to say so I can admit to that and right. and and apologize for having made people feel bad I just like it's like the loss of just like well that like we are human beings processing things and like yeah. there's like so many other intentions and sides getting lost in the conversation where it's just I think that that for me that felt good and I think like people then you know I was actually reading my mentions because I was trying to gauge then you know, what the reaction to an apology was, which did feel like a big deal. And people were like, hey, thanks for acknowledging you maybe effed up. Like, that's kind of nice. And it's just like, that's kind of not a thing that we are used to doing. Right. Yeah, I think that's, you tied what I was saying together, (laughs) which is like the thing that separates the good people from the bad people is the ability to be introspective and self-aware and to like grow and learn. (laughs) That like, you don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. We're all learning. Yeah. Sometimes we make mistakes and like we can roll with it and not be like, oh, people came after me. I guess I'll just like be a homophobe now. <laughs> right. Which is like, like what some people have done. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, the New York Times guy was like, all the fuglies who have come after me. No. He just like completely. No, he didn't say fuglies. He said fuglies. <laughs> also, it was at like two a.m., so he was very clearly like drunk rage tweeting. Fuglies. 
And he was like... <laughs> That's such a throwback. He was also calling another... He was a historian. I can I can go off about this. <gasps> he was a, a, a historian who was joining the staff at Northwestern, where I went. And <laughs> so I'm passionate about it. And then he started attacking a Northwestern professor who was like, hey, I study the media's coverage of the AIDS crisis. That is my specialty. And you are wrong. And he was like, well, you're ugly looking. <laughs> To his future colleague at Northwestern University. And it was just, like, insane. That's just... What? Gays, am I right? (laughs) Nailed it. Right. (laughs) Anyway, so, yeah. Learning and growing. Important parts of being a human being. Uh, And not attacking ugly people. Because they know not what they do. Um... Uh, this is an anti-fugly podcast. I don't know if you were, <laughs> we're going to go into that. Um, let's see. You had an amazing interaction yeah. with Tucker, who is a buffoon of a person. Yeah. Uh, is he still a thing? Gosh, you know, I, I think he's metastasized into <laughs> no. a truly serious problem. I, yeah. It's amazing because... He really has risen up to represent the ugliest parts of, you know, everything that's holding up the the cruelest policies of the Trump administration. I mean, there is just an obvious through line from Charlottesville to Puerto Rico to family separation. There is a way that... You know, there's an assertion of who belongs in this country and who doesn't. And that's what Make America Great Again always means, that we've always known. And what Tucker is doing is taking that hate and um, providing it with constant rocket fuel by um, putting out anti-immigrant propaganda that is, is not even is 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 centralizing the worst most grotesque stories about anybody who falls into that camp that white nationalists don't think belong here and so he's creating an audience that that is is stewing in their own fear and paranoia um, and that is being made to believe anything that helps ease that fear is untrue and and he sits there and he has on you know, a no longer a bow tie, even though I envision it all the time. But he's he, he's out. He's in. He, <laughs> he he's, is just like he's that. entering our homes as a newscaster, mm-hmm. and what he is doing is spewing racist propaganda. And I I don't think he, I don't see how it could be much worse. Right. Yeah. I don't. Even, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I just like yeah. I think his... like if you have a family member who watches Fox, like try and have a compassionate conversation with them about what you see it to be doing. I, right. I think that it is a matter of like not not making people feel attacked, but saying like here's how you know using MS thirteen to represent all immigration or you know just I guess it would be helpful to I think reach out from a place of love and compassion to bring some awareness of what's happening at Fox News rather than you know. Maybe making your family members feel under attack because that's probably very easy. <laughs> yeah, I was like reaching through with some reason because I think he's causing a lot of harm. Right, right, and it is true. I think this ties back to what you were saying earlier, which is sometimes I think people are almost distracted by the argumentativeness, argumentativeness yeah. of it, oh my God. where it's like, oh. I, I feel like I'm being attacked, so I just have to, like, retrench. Yeah. And it's like... Can I tell you a story? Yes. It's about... It happened at VidCon. Oh, no. Uh, no, and it was a panel about... Uh, that Jeff Jarvis was on, mm-hmm. and he's a, a journalist academic. Yeah. And he was making a serious uh, argument about why there's a lack of kind of principled conservative journalists right now and commentators and, and what that hole looks like and how it's being filled. And it was intelligent and, and, and a, a, a rigorous five or so minute statement, whatever. And then later in the panel, um, I was wrapping things up. I guess we had kind of like closing remarks and mine were, you know, kind of a little too serious and long winded. So I tried to throw in a little joke. And so I had said some really long, earnest thing. And then I was like, and that's why there's no principled conservative. (laughs) And I said it like that. And it actually did land for some people, but not one man who charged 
at the table. And, and it was so odd because then then there was like a circle of people standing up because it was kind of like over. To, then people were actually standing and he had charged the table. And by the time I realized that he wasn't like going to attack me, I, he, I realized he's saying, how are you going to say there's no principal conservatives? How are you going to say there's no principal conservatives? I don't know what to do. And everyone's listening. So I just said, well, who do you read? Because I'm never really sure who to be following as a principal conservatives. And he just went from anger to fear because he didn't have an answer. And he couldn't answer my question, which was like then just like totally heartbreaking. And I guess like that, it feels like the spirit of like the argument is like, you know, you're beating your chest and you are leaning so hard into the anger and it doesn't even have a foundation that it's yeah. built upon. Right. Um, and I mean, to like to watch that still, I still I think about it all the time. Because he was so angry that he, he it was almost like his, his this rage part of his brain like operated without his full consent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. But I think that like if we could, if people could kind of like do the research, figure out why they feel the way they feel, figure out who has made them feel that way and like be able to do the work themselves I mean, we definitely have a low level of media literacy, but it, the, the information is at our fingertips. Like, it, it, it is often as easy as a Google search. It's like, right. you know, go read the Times, read the Post, read a couple other articles, read a couple of things about any given thing and not just the headline before you, like, wrecking relationships over it. Right. <laughs> I'm just stuck on the visual of a, of, of a man charging at you to scream about <laughs> uh, principle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a couple layers there. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, just like, yeah, we're nice. <laughs> and it's like, all right, well, yeah. you're wielding pitchforks. So maybe you're wrong. Please put that pitchfork to that, sir. Let's see. So do you engage with the trolls anymore? Or are you, Sometimes. have you reached a point where you're like, I. I'm above this. Sometimes I'm like, no one says bimbo anymore, Henry, and it's fun. <laughs> right. I should avoid it. I should. But sometimes people say things to me that are just like so comedically misogynistic that I'm almost like amused by it. Yeah. Like, it's like, was this like cooked in a lab? Like, <laughs> how did this even, how do you even generate this content? Yeah. The other thing that I get frustrated by, and I don't know if you feel this, is like, because of that kind of dichotomy, there's no way for me to like make a joke about the other side without it being like, oh, who like dropped our level now? <laughs> or it's like, I've, you've been yelling nonsense this whole time. I say one thing and now I'm like, I made a joke about like Mitch McConnell's like saggy, silly putty oh, neck <laughs> and how he's like dragging his old wrinkly balls Listen, against the Constitution every day. I think I'm so fuck respectability, fuck civility. Yeah. I think it's all it's all just, you know, they I, look, could we have try generally if you have the fucking energy to avoid some of their looks you know fine but like Steve Bannon is a human carbuncle and they're tearing us limb from limb and it's just come on like yeah. I just there's a certain level of just like is this what we all need to be policing like like what what is decency when children are being stolen from their mothers right the board? like it's just like can we just folk, have a little better sense yeah of focus also because I just they like to bring out like when oh so much for when they go low we go high I'm like a, I'm not Michelle Obama. Oh my god, she's doing it Thank fine. Thank you for saying my arms look nice, but I am not <laughs> right. Michelle Obama. B, you're still lower than I am. So, <laughs> like, when you believe in ripping children away from their mothers, I'm still higher than you, bitch. Oh my god, and that's a two. It's another like loss of. Ch it's like playing the game. It's like playing into like this like little code of politics. It's like there's so much of such an institutionalized problem of like Democrats like clutching to the rule books, and it's like it's like I think if a friend of mine put it once. It's like we're playing basketball, and they're like on rollerblades, and <laughs> Democrats are like we respect the game of basketball too much, <laughs> and you know it's just like at yeah. a certain point what's happening with any of that but like when we're like what we're like sticking to these little norms and rules and things and, and then trump is just like pissing on the constitution <laughs> right. like what's happening like what are we trying what rules are we abiding by when there's such a loss of sanity right all right let's go to our game we call this bowl of shit talk which is just a bunch of topics and uh you sh you shit talk them okay People who get eight hours of sleep a night. Assholes. I just, I haven't slept in two years. <laughs> what do you, who how much sleep they? do you get a night? I don't know. Any? I don't feel confident 
saying any amount. But <laughs> right. I mean, I am in bed for at least sometimes four or five hours. Oh my god. <laughs> How about you? I I am always asleep. <laughs> I'm this asleep more than I'm awake. This is a dream. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, I, I feel like I'm usually, l- lately I drink coffee too late, and <sighs> then I'm awake until like 3 a.m., and then I get up at like 9 or 10. Oh, that sounds very nice. But you don't like go to an office. No, it's you... not about not having time to sleep, it's about not being at peace. Right, right. <laughs> I just meant like, when I worked in an office, I like had to get up at a certain hour, yeah. and now that I don't have to get up at a certain hour, like... Depression, like yeah. it just like gives it gives sure. me an excuse. My anxiety is winning right now. It's the thing. So Sometimes you, you I'm like, depression, downers. girl, come on back. Like, right. let's get some sleep in. I need uppers. Okay, you need downers. Uh, right. Somewhere we'd be miserable together. <laughs> um, Joe Scarborough. Oh, what? We're getting at the deep cuts. Joe, now. No, Joe Scarborough. Honestly, that is for me just so like the pinnacle of this awful observatory mode of political discourse where he you know purports to have values and ethics but there's there's a way in which all of it's happening in a vacuum and like he just like so contributes to this idea that like politics is something that we're as a spectator sport right um and that and that it doesn't affect real lives yeah. and our own lives directly and that we can't talk about what it means to go through the day without right. politics it, it just contributes this idea of it as as something to be um that we can be smug observers about, which is not the case. Yeah. I feel like he's so also, good at... Also, he's an... He's just... <laughs> Sorry, that I just did enough. I feel like he's so good at being like outraged in the morning, and by nighttime he's like in a bathtub with Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like drinking champagne together, and it's like, what is happening? Um, <sighs> white male mediocrity. Chris Kaliza. <laughs> I skipped over his name because I, uh, yeah. I don't even understand what it is like to be just like a straight white man. Like just to have that much confidence right. in yourself. Like sometimes I'll just be talking to a guy who's like, he's just like a middle rung no one at a tech company that doesn't even have a clear mission <laughs> and just projects such a such a defiant confidence and you know and like like the kind of confidence that i don't think i'll ever have right like that no amount of success at awards and it's like you work for like a company called like banana rams <laughs> like you do you're in accounts like where is this coming from and and i just i wish we could like t- share it we could break it up like the crown and mean girls you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just very frustrating. And she's like, if Chris, Kal- Chris Kaliza truly did a take the other day on the North Korea summit, yeah, and it was it was numbered, and there were two options, and one was Trump knows exactly what he's doing, two Trump doesn't know what he's doing. Conclusion: Who can say? <laughs> and he gets paid. How? <laughs> oh, I truly, I'm not kidding you. Like when I doubt myself. And my right to, to to the political discourse. I just go read his writing, and I'm like, I am at least <laughs> at least at this level. I find mediocrity to be so much more inspiring than like watching someone amazing do something amazing. Right, right. I'm like, that makes me feel like I'm shit. Like not the shit, but like literal shit. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, reading someone or watching someone who's like awful, I'm like. I am so inspired right now, especially yeah. when they have a platform and it's like, you got there doing nothing. 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 Yeah. Use it to inspire you. Right. Use mediocrity. <laughs> Straight white <That's> man. <laughs> well, anyway, I hope people are inspired <laughs> by this episode. I certainly am. Where can people find you and your work? Don't look for me. Don't look for Enough. you. That's, that's for the best. Um, I am on I am on Twitter.com at Lauren Duca, if you must. All right. Great. Thank you so much. I'll Thank see you. you next time. Thank you. See ya. See Bye. you out there. We're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps the bad stuff go down. It's what makes all the shitty stuff worth it. Barry, do you have a chaser this week? I do have a chaser this what week. What is it? Fine, I'll tell you. Fine. Um, I started watching Big Mouth. 
Uh-huh. And I'm really enjoying it. It's just a very like light, fun, dumb show, but mostly even more so than Big Mouth on Netflix. I think my chaser is just John Mulaney's voice. That's it is true. so like soothing and comforting, but also he says really funny things. So it's just, ugh, I just want to live in it. Big Mouth is a cartoon. Yeah, animated show on Netflix. It's Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. Right. Well, count your blessings. Mine's not so great either. Mine just made me jizz in my nice pants. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Everything's embarrassing. Everything is so embarrassing. My pants are in the toilet. Oh, man. And I just started watching it yesterday, and it was just like, I don't know, this week has been uh, pretty fucking shitty. And uh, it was a, it made me laugh, and it's just fun and light. Um, and ridiculous, but still grounded in reality. And it's got a great cast, but mostly just John Mulaney's voice is so wonderful, and I love it. So that's my chaser. How about you, Matt? My chaser is also on on Netflix. I uh, texted you about it because I was, like, sobbing by the end of it. Yeah, I felt bad. It is a Netflix comedy special by Hannah Gadsby called Nanette, and it truly fucked me up. (laughs) (laughs) Which, like, based on everybody else's reactions, it fucks you up. That is the intention. (laughs) It's a comedy special. If you don't know Hannah Gadsby, which you probably don't, she is an Australian comedian actress. She was in uh, the show Please Like Me, which I I think has been a chaser of mine before. It's a very funny show. Um, Even though she plays a version of herself, which is like a woman in a mental institution (laughs) who is there for like self-harm. It's like she, she does touch on a lot of like very heavy stuff. And that's what her comedy special is. It's very funny. But also by the end of it, I it's like very raw. You just there's no real way to explain it besides it's probably like the best thing I've watched in the last 10 years. Wow. So fucking watch it. I'm I probably like it made me feel inadequate as <laughs> both a comedian and a human being. Yay. Which is what all good art should do. <laughs> and that's it. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Josh Gwynn, Claire Ty, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Karen Novatia, Max Linsky, and Eleanor Kagan. Music by Hansdale Sue. You can find me on all the social medias at Matt Belisai. And I'm Finkelberry Pie. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Why are pictures of mermaids like skinny goddesses with big boobs when people used to think manatees were mermaids and they're fat as shit? Let mermaids be fat! This is a new campaign.